What is up, plant people? Hey, today is Tuesday, the 15th of December, 2020. We're back with another episode of the Planthropology Podcast, the show where we dive into the lives, careers, ambitions, and general amazing awesomeness of some really cool plant people. I'm Vikram Baliga, your host, and I'm excited, as always, to be with you today. How is your December going? I hope it's joyful and hopeful and much better than this ridiculous year in general has been. I know that I just graduated on Friday, this past Friday. Super weird. I got to walk, but it was like the whole thing for me took like 20 minutes. Pretty much I had a picture taken. I walked sort of in front of the stage and, you know, did a drive-by waving with the president of our university, took another picture, and then left. So I had like you know, graduations are long. So I was like, oh, well, you know, we'll need to carve out about two or three hours (laughs) out in 20 minutes. Uh, But it was cool. That was a good, um, I guess, end to this year for me or a way to start wrapping up this year for me was with a graduation. So I guess I'm Dr. Vikram Baliga officially, officially now. And uh, you don't need to call me that. And I am never going to ask you to do that. And I'll probably never talk about it again. It's also probably not true. Anyway, so I had mentioned last week when I talked about, uh, I guess, thoughts on grad school, what I might say at a um, graduation ceremony if I was ever asked to give a commencement address, which I won't be, um, that I wanted to do an episode about um, plants in world traditions. And as I started to research this, I realized that there is absolutely no way absolutely no way that I can cover this in one episode. It's impossible. It's impossible because it turns out, as we have discussed on this show for, what, 50, 49, this is episode 49 technically, 49 episodes now, that plants are integral to our way of life all over this big soggy planet of ours. So I can't do it. I cannot do a single episode on holiday world traditions. But I think what I'm going to do is throughout this next year, every month or so, maybe even less frequently, I'm not really sure yet, is sort of go country by country or maybe a continent by continent or kind of try to target some cultures in generalities, which is really, really hard to do, especially since I don't want to cause offense or really misrepresent or be unfair towards any particular culture, but I'm going to cover as we go through this year, plants in different world traditions and in different cultures and rituals and things like that. Cause I, for me, find that very interesting. And I hope that that's something you think is interesting as well. So we'll have lots of special episodes throughout 2021 um, about this topic, about plants in world traditions. And so then I was like, Oh gosh, I need to get an episode out today. And I didn't know what to talk about. So I think with the winter solstice coming up on December 21st, and there's all kinds of uh, things surrounding that from this deal with Saturn and Jupiter being in conjunction and maybe getting to meet our new alien galactic empire. Uh, you know, if you've watched the news, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, I I, uh, I thought it might be fun to talk about plants as they relate to the winter solstice. Um because we talked about Christmas trees a couple of weeks ago, and some of this I mentioned at that time, but a lot of these traditions that we typically associate with Christmas really come out of Saturnalia and winter solstice traditions. So more than just the evergreens and the 
Christmas trees and stuff like that. There are a, a quite a few plants involved with these traditions. And I thought it might be fun to spend a few minutes today, this will probably be fairly short, talking about that. And uh, to celebrate the season and just to talk about all the cool stuff that goes into this and, and some of the ways that people thought about plants and used plants. And and I, I think with this um, Plants in World Traditions series, we'll get to delve a little bit into that. And I'm going to try to find some folks to interview about this from different cultures that that maybe still practice some of these traditional plant-related rituals and other things. So I'm going to play some music at you, and then we're going to talk about the winter solstice. So buckle up, grab a toasty warm beverage, and roll out your Yule log, and get ready for a fun bonus episode of the Plantropology Podcast. Alrighty. So, what is the winter solstice? Oh, yeah, I, I always forget that you can't answer me. Uh, it's like in class, right, where you ask a question and then you just wait an awkwardly long time in silence for your students to answer you. It's effective and it's horrible for everyone. So, what is the winter solstice? Solstice comes from the Latin words sol, which means sun, and sistere, which means to stand still. Now, it's been a minute since I've taken Latin, and I probably pronounced sistere wrong, and I don't care. It's whatever. Um, So, solstice means the sun stands still, and the solstices, the summer and the winter solstice, represent that the times when the sun is either at its farthest northern point in in the sky, at least in the northern hemisphere, um, in June, and then in the far at the farthest southern point in the sky in December, which is coming up, and that's also the longest day of the year uh, and the shortest day of the year. So we're coming up on the sh- the longest night, shortest day of the year, which is a big part of a lot of these celebrations. And we talked about this some in our Christmas tree episode, where a lot of cultures the sun god and the sun was revered above all others because it is literally the bringer of life on this planet. Plants grow because of the sun, right? So uh, photosynthesis happens because of the sun. We're able to carry on all metabolic processes essentially on the planet because of energy that is sent from the sun. And so for ancient traditions, you see the sun that drives plant growth, that drives all of these things. And of course that was going to be revered. And as the days got shorter, uh, several traditions uh, across the world had lore that that was happening because the sun god was getting weaker. Either they were ill or something else or uh, another god or a demon or uh, an enemy was fighting with this sun god and it made the day shorter. And so the winter solstice was a celebration of the fact that from that point on throughout the year through December and into the next year, the days were getting longer. And they were getting closer to harvest and closer to being able to feed themselves again, which turns out, y'all, is a pretty big thing, having the foods. So this celebration marked a lot of different things uh, from Saturnalia in Rome, where they considered it the birthday of Saturn, the sun god, to uh, different festivals everywhere from Persia to Peru to England. Um, All of these things celebrated the winter solstice, 
Because again, it was a sort of an auspicious day for a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons. And so there were several types of plants that were commonly used in solstice celebrations. And I'm, I'm probably not going to be able to cover all of them because I think that there are more than really I even have time in this short episode or in this specific episode to cover. But I'll, I'll talk about a few that are maybe more common. And then in the future, we might address this as we go through plant traditions and Europe and um, different parts of the world, because a lot of these solstice traditions come out of Europe, from Rome through uh, uh, the Norse countries, and um, a lot of the the Celtic influences in Northern Europe. So uh, let's start with a couple. So let's talk about holly. Let's talk about the holly tree. So uh, the holly tree often symbolized the waning sun. commencing with the summer solstice, and then the oak tree symbolized the waxing sun, commencing with the winter solstice. And so the Druids in Europe thought that Holly's evergreen nature and the bright red berries and all the colors uh, made it a sacred plant. It remained green throughout the winter, and it was one plant in that part of the world that kept the, the the landscape green and beautiful with the bright red berries and the showy green leaves um, through the winter when everything else was dead. Um, holly was a traditional solstice decoration throughout Ireland and other parts of Europe. Um, one reason of this one reason for this is it was relatively easy to find. They could be found in the landscape. It could either be purchased or harvested easily. And so the poor had a way of making wreaths with these bright red berries um, to hang on their doors, to put above their doors, to deck the halls with boughs of holly. La 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 la. Is that tune right? I don't think so. And um, so it was a way that even the very poor to decorate their homes and celebrate the season. So decorating one's home with holly eventually became a way of of, um, bringing protection to the home and wishing good luck to the inhabitants of that home. So we still do that. We still use holly in our wreaths and in our traditional uh, decorations for this season. Uh, another one that is very common is the Yule log. And you may have heard uh, uh, the word Yule before. It's in several of our Christmas and, and holiday songs. But Yule was an interesting tradition that became Christmas in a lot of ways. A lot of the Yule traditions sort of morphed into Christmas as Christianity moved throughout Europe. Um, but the Yule log was a literal log, uh, usually made of oak because it was a strong wood that could burn for a long time, um, that they would, the the Saxons and the Celts would burn this log um, as a means of protection and to symbolize sort of the longevity of, of people and of uh, their ability to get a household and their ability to get through the winter and get back to um a warm, productive time of year. So a a lot of times the Yule log would be uh, said to be burned for 12 hours. And if the log would burn for 12 hours, then that was a symbol of good luck, that crops would be good the next year and all that kind of stuff. In some traditions, 
they would cut down like an entire tree pretty much and use the whole trunk of this oak. Sometimes different species, but oak was very common. And they would try to burn it for 12 days. So they would burn it um, slowly over time and try to keep it burning for 12 days. And the log, the and then um, the remains of the log were supposed to be kept in the same, or not in the same place, but they were the... So the ashes were scattered through fields, and some of the remains of the log were kept to light the next year's Yule log. And so um, that started to morph into different traditions, um, especially as influences from these some of these Saturnalia and other solstice traditions came in, um, from the Romans and the Celts and the Teutons and the, the Christians even coming in, um, where evergreen plants were considered... Uh, a picture of immortality and of life. And so Yule logs that were burned for a long time uh, eventually became the Yule tree, which morphed into the Christmas trees that we're more familiar with today. And that was a Germanic tradition. Um, I say Germanic. It was actually not a Germanic people. It was the German people in the 1800s that gave us our current, uh, 17 and 1800s, that gave us some of our current Christmas tree to traditions, which again, we talked about a couple of weeks ago. So here's another interesting one. And this is not exactly a plant. Uh, in fact, it's not a plant at all. Uh, but there are some mushrooms that uh, had a, a part in some of these winter solstice um, celebrations. So there was a species of mushroom called the fly agaric mushroom or Amanita muscaria. Uh, and it's the the Mario mushroom, right? It has a red cap with uh, white speckles on it, and it's kind of what we think of when you when you think mushroom. I think in uh, current, uh, I guess pop culture or whatever. So the this mushroom often un, um, appears at the base of trees, growing on the roots, uh, in the in the leaf litter, and different things of firs and spruces. Lots of evergreen trees. This mushroom is also pretty poisonous and hallucinogenic. So the the mushrooms um, were used in a lot of, uh, let's say, rituals where they would um, consume them in different amounts and hallucinate and try not to die. So I, this is not a thing I recommend anyone doing, but it may have led to some of our current traditions. Uh, one of the side effects of this mushroom being consumed is is bright, rosy red cheeks, um, flushes to the face, and, and well, hallucinations, because it's a hallucinogenic mushroom. Um, and it can kill you, so don't, don't eat it. If you find one of these bright red mushrooms, just yeah, don't do the thing. Don't do the thing. Um, but it may have gotten given rise to some of the um, representations of Santa Claus, right? With his rosy red cheeks and his magical powers. Some of this might have come from this fly agaric mushroom. Um, now, this is not the same as the death cap, which is Amanita phalloides. Phalloides? Phalli? Phallimanoides? I'm just making up words. The death cap is another Amanita, so it's in the same... Uh, genus as this fly agaric but that one will kill you dead in a hurry it releases um, uh, spores and chemicals in your liver which forces your liver to release toxins and it is not good do 
I'm going to say this before. I've said this a lot of times. Don't eat the mushroom. If there's a mushroom and you're not a bazillion percent sure what it is, you haven't bought it from a store or from someone who grows mushrooms for consumption, leave the mushroom alone. Don't touch the mushroom. Don't eat the mushroom. Mushrooms are not your friends in general. Okay, moving on. So, uh, but this was used in, in several um, solstice traditions. A lot of times they were dried near the hearth and um, then consumed later. Again, don't do the thing. Don't eat the mushroom. Um, another one that's very common is mistletoe. Mistletoe is a funny one, right? Because mistletoe is a plant parasite. It grows up in the branches of trees. Um, the roots germinate uh, directly down into the, the vascular system of the plant through the bark into that cambial layer. It has these sticky kind of white seeds that have a milky substance in it. They're super sticky. Birds can eat them. Um, and then they stick in like rodents fur, uh, as birds fly over different trees or land on a tree and do what birds do when they land in a tree. Um, these seeds in the, the, I'm going to use the word mucilaginous, which is a terrible word, uh, but it's accurate. The mucilaginous sticky substance inside these, um, berries on the mistletoe stick to the plant, uh, the, the new tree that they land on, they stick to the plant, the seeds germinate and the roots grow down. They don't really have roots per se, but the plants germinate down into the vascular system of a tree. So if there's a tree out there in your landscape or around somewhere that, um, is like a deciduous plant, and it's a time of year when it shouldn't have leaves, but the plant still has leaves, it's probably mistletoe growing up in the plant. So we hang mistletoe and I guess kiss under the mistletoe. I've never done that. Um, so uh, I'm trying to think of a delicate way to say this. Due to the appearance of the berries and all of that, um, it is it is maybe a, a symbol of fertility throughout a number of cultures, um, Nordic cultures and, and different cultures around the world. But it was also used by everyone from the ancient Greeks to Druids to Celts and the Norse uh, and several others um, as having sacred as being a sacred plant. And it was used for pro protection, blessings, medicine. Don't eat mistletoe. It is also poisonous. Actually, a lot of these plants that we're talking about are poisonous. I'm not real sure what that's about. Apparently, a lot of these traditions uh, involved uh, mood-altering practices, let's say. And so one way to do that is through the consumption of poisonous plants. I will say it again. Just because they're plants, just because they're natural, they're not your friends. They don't want you, they don't want to be eaten by you specifically. There are other things that these plants want to eat them because those plants are actually uh, probably going to be able to spread the seed somewhere else. You are not that thing, right? Don't eat plants. If you don't know what they are, they can make you dead. Real dead. Like dead in a hurry, y'all. So let's let's don't let's let's don't do the thing. That actually leads us to our next plant, the U. And there are several, and that's Y-E-W, not E-W-E, like the sheep thing, or Y-O-U, like you, dear listener. U, um, which symbolize death and the last day of this, the, the solar year. The silver fir, which represented winter solstice and rebirth. And uh, birch, which symbolized new beginnings. Um, the Celts believed 
that bringing plants indoors would give woodland spirits. Now they they had a lot of um, nature spirits in their religions and in their um, uh, mythology and their lore. So one of the ideas was that bringing plants like a yew or a um, pine tree or a fir tree or whatever else into the house um, gave these spirits a place to overwinter, essentially. Uh, They gave them plant material to hide in indoors so they could make it through the winter, and then in spring they could go back out into the forest and bring the forest back to life. Again, these things sort of make sense, right? Where um, there are reasons, and and science has described a lot of these reasons why the earth cools and, and warms, but at a certain point, it was a thing that happened, right? It got cold in the winter. The sun went down. Uh, obviously, the sun got sick. Um, the plants don't grow during the winter because the spirits that keep them alive don't have anywhere to go. They can't survive. And so as part of these traditions, plants were brought in the house and um, um, preserved, and that turned into a lot of our modern traditions. Who has houseplants? You have houseplants. Lots of people have houseplants. It is pretty popular if you ever get on Instagram or Twitter uh, to have houseplants. Uh, TikTok, shoot, plant TikTok is pretty strong. There's a lot of houseplant TikTok going on out there. So um, that was another solstice tradition where they would bring plants into the house to protect them and also to protect the winter spirits, or I'm sorry, the, the forest spirits that needed to survive the winter. Um, gosh, there's there's so many more of these. Um, ivies uh, stood for fidelity and healing in marriage. They were fashioned into wreaths and crowns and things like that. Uh, wheat, which is linked to av- agriculture and cultures all over the world has significance in the solstice, right? It was something that was uh, brought in and um, preserved and kept through the winter. So it'd be baked into bread, cookies, cakes for solstice feasts. It was woven into wreaths, straw figures, uh, encouraged sustenance, fertility, abundant harvests, um, things like that. And you can see um, and this is a short list, y'all. There's there's so many more that I don't really have time to cover, and that I'm I'm a little afraid that I may not do good justice to. I'm not sure I've done justice to what I've talked to about or talked about already. Um, but you can see where some of our modern traditions come from. Um, from the Christmas tree that uh we put up in, in Christian culture to symbolize uh um Christ and Christ's, and if you look at the different like lights and um, uh, ornaments and all this, they tell different stories. We put a star on top to rep- represent the, um, the the star of Bethlehem, and all of these things. So there's a lot of of traditions that come out of the winter solstice that we can see in our modern society, uh, from holly to mistletoe and all these other things we've talked about. So again, that is a very, very, very brief overview of um, some plants used during the solstice. Uh, There were a lot of cultures that were much closer to nature than we are today. And we see that pop up all over the world. And so again, uh, this was just the first introduction into this series that I'm going to do over the next year um, about plants in holiday world traditions. So... um, Y'all, I hope that you have a very happy holiday season. I appreciate you listening. It's been such a fun year of Planthropology, and and the most fun part has been getting to know all of you folks, and I really have enjoyed it, and you guys make my life 
so much happier and so much better. And I, I really appreciate you. So thanks for listening. Look us up on social media. We're all the places uh, as Planthropology. Um, I'm on TikTok as The Plant Prof. You can also find my personal account at The Plant Prof on Twitter. Uh, also, there's a podcast now called The Plant Prof, which I've talked about quite a bit. Thanks to the Texas Tech Department of Plant and Soil Science for all the support and all the awesomeness. So I appreciate y'all. I hope you have a safe and wonderful and joyous uh, holiday season, whatever you celebrate, whether it's Christmas or something else. Um, I, I, I hope that it is something you can treasure in the midst of all the craziness going on this year. So uh, I really, I wish all of you the best. Um, we've got one more episode, bonus episode this year, which will be, again, my uh, Christmas Eve tradition with my son and uh, of, of doing a, a quick, fun little episode with him. And that's something I hope I can keep going as he grows and as this podcast goes into the future. So I love you lots. I hope you're doing well. And I will talk to you on Christmas Eve. Y'all be cool. And I'll see you later.